0: So I'm going to take it that uh, second service, you guys have seen a video like this or this very video before, because in first service, no kidding, (laughs) is totally audible. Uh, And I'll admit, like the first time I saw that video, that's what I was thinking. I'm going to watch a man, really, am I seeing a man be devoured by a lion? And thank God we didn't. But uh, my friend Robin Huntley shared a story similar to this when we were at camp, uh, Scenic Hills. This was just a year or two ago, I'm sure. And uh, she shared a campfire where uh, kids are already tired and prone to want their mommy or need a drink or whatever. Uh, But Robin told them that a circus train had wrecked and that all the animals were loose. And for a moment, they were excited. And then she said, that means the lions are loose. And then they're all like, (gasps) just like we were when we thought that that lion was going to eat that man. But Robin's point, and the point of this video, and the reason Peter uses that terminology to say your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion who looks for someone to devour, is because with a lion you imagine being devoured, and you only wish it happened quickly, right? But it's going to happen as slowly as he wants it to, and it's going to happen because he's a lion and you're not, right? Like I'm not a lion and you're not a lion, and it's a battle that we really would like to win, right? I wish it was just this easy, right? Just hold up a finger. But he's not a pet, right? So we talked about how Satan has these tricks that he likes to use. We covered five of those tricks. We'll review them later this morning. But today, as we, I said, we're going to talk about how to fight temptation. It's not just a defense. There's offense to this as well. And we're going to do the whole morning without basketball analogies because, ugh, <laughs> just no thank you. So believers, we're going to arm ourselves with um, If I could just give you a quick visual representation, there's this many weapons over here. Imagine it going to the ceiling, a whole pile of weapons. But we're going to talk about these three today. So as we go through these, um, I would love to hear, and thank you, Robin, for sharing with me after the last Sunday a couple of these. But I would love to hear from you other weapons that you have found effective in fighting temptation. Okay, so as we go through just three of what is a very large pile of weapons that are effective against temptation... Make some notes, because we're going to talk about this again, all right? So uh, three, we're going to cover three today, but first I want to talk about a fight that is uh, really near and dear to my heart recently, and that is um, the Ukrainians fighting against the invading Russians. So I just want to talk about Kershon for a second, because I think they're a great example. Kershon was almost entirely occupied, at least according to a report I read. I know it's iffy with news, but, uh, I, and I don't know, Penny or the photo is working, we'll see. If they're working, I have one photo of the Kirshenites, I guess you would call them, uh, fighting back against Russia, and they did it with Molotov cocktails, right? They did it with what they had, okay? So not everybody was going to grab a Molotov cocktail and run up to, I don't know where this is. I don't want to know what's on the other side of that dirt hill there. I don't even want to be the photographer that's so close to these flames right here. I don't want anything to do with that kind of battle. But they're fighting against the invading Russians, right? So they're also fighting against the invading Russians by manufacturing these Molotov cocktails, right? They used to meet in city center, kids included, make a line, grab a bottle, grab the alcohol, dump it in, jam a rag on it, and we're ready to go to battle for those who really are going to the front lines, right? So these Kershanites have retaken different districts of the city of Kershan Because they found some weapons that were functional, and they fought back. So Christians, I think it's important for us to find some weapons that are useful, they're functional, they're effective, and we need to fight back against temptation. I, I won't speak for you, but I know for me, I need some weapons to fight back against temptation, right? Another story I heard uh, this week, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name of this city in Russia, but there was an oil depot there, and the Ukrainians haven't claimed this, but intelligence from the U.S. says that the Ukrainians actually attacked Russia and destroyed one of their depots. So we, like the Ukrainians, and this analogy is going to break down really quickly, but let me use it, we need to be on the offense as well. We need to be fighting against temptation when we begin to recognize it at work in our lives. So another fun story from probably this last week, maybe it was nine days. These two guys who are typically world's strongest men competitors and I was going to get an example, and I was like, I mean, I'm an example, right? World's strongest man, right? Uh, Not at all. But I am a good example of the. Someone laughed too much. That was too much laughing. Uh, No, I am a good example for 5'10", okay? Imagine Mike Tyson. He's this tall right here, okay? His physique is much more muscular than mine. He would fight at 185 pounds. So just imagine Mike Tyson, much larger muscles, okay? And then imagine these two guys that were in what was called the heaviest weight competition, uh, boxing match, whatever you want to call it, they're these two guys who competed in World's Strongest Man. I discovered this in my grandparents' basement like 25 years ago, and they were like carrying, I mean, not like, they were literally carrying hollowed out Volkswagens and running with them, okay? But nowadays, they're deadlifting 1,500 pounds. That's a not hollowed-out Volkswagen, and they're just picking it up, okay? So both of these contestants who are decided that they're going to box each other, each lifted 1,500 pounds dead weight. That's insane, right? So typically they compete in this World's Strongest Man competition, but now they're entering a boxing ring. So it's a little different, right? I know so many of you guys have boxed. You know what I'm talking about. I don't really know, okay? But I can tell you from watching the YouTube highlights, I can tell you this much. These guys were great at lifting 1,500 pounds. But when it came time to get into a boxing ring, uh, for sure, number one, they could throw a punch that would cave in your face, for sure. And they did, and it was brutal. I mean, the impact was unbelievable. One guy's 6'9", one guy's 6'3", one guy's 330, the other guy's 315, massive. Remember Tyson 185, 5'10"? These guys are 6'9", and 6'3", right? 330 pounds. Their punches literally knocked the other guy over. But here's the other thing you notice. Only a minute and a half into the fight, they do what I would just call with my super boxing knowledge hugging. You see this? They're like clinched is what they call it. They're just laying on each other going <sighs> and there's no amount of getting those shoulders into their ears that would bring enough oxygen into that fighter to allow them to throw punches anymore. They just hugged it out for another minute and a half until they could go to their corner and try to recover because the oxygen was so critical to them that without it, it didn't matter how strong they were. It didn't matter if they could lift like a freight liner. You know, they could lift a Volkswagen. That's amazing. But the oxygen was critical to the fight. And honestly, the whole rest of the fight was just evidence of the fact that oxygen's really important. Okay. And that when you've got a lot of mass, you need a lot of oxygen. Uh, They were a great fight, but my goodness, These guys found out oxygen is critical. So I say all that to say uh, the good news is you don't have to fight those guys, right? But we've got other news, okay? And the other news is we have a lion. We have an enemy, and he's on the prowl, and he wants to devour us. And we learned about his tricks, right? So now we're learning an offense against our enemy. And I believe that, like, oxygen is foundational. I believe there's something foundational to our fight against our enemy, So let's open our Bibles. We'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And uh, for those of you that are on like a calendar level picture and you're seeing all 12 months at once, recall that we're here because as we walk through Matthew chapter 4, we see Jesus being tempted by Satan. We observed how Satan works. Now we're studying how to fight back. As we zoom back in, okay, we're not leaving Matthew 4 behind. But we're examining how to effectively fight. What weapons can a Christian pick up and effectively use to win when we're tempted? Believers effectively fight temptation when we pick up the weapon of faith. When we pick up the weapon of faith, I believe faith is foundational to our fight against temptation. When we pick up that weapon, we can win. So I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Verse 13, and it's on the screen as well. You don't have to read this aloud with me, but I'm going to read it. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Now, I want you to ask the question as I read the verse, as you read it in your own Bible, is faith really foundational? I mean, I've asserted that right this morning. I will just pause it. Faith is foundational. It is not optional. It is critical, like oxygen in a boxing match, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So a quick, I guess, thought experiment. What if we just take worry, for instance? We've probably all worried before, right? It feels like a safe enough one to talk about. In fact, in our, uh, I think in our culture, you could even be kind of looked up to for being worried about how busy you are or something like that. But it's a sin to worry. Jesus said, don't worry. You can't add a day to your life. So take worry. Let's pretend you're being tempted with worry. I don't have to pretend, okay? I do worry, so you know you're being tempted with worry. What if in that moment you believe that he, God, will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear? So now you're kind of getting a different angle on this fight, right? Maybe worry is more of a guy kind of like my stature, and maybe you coming into this fight with faith that you cannot be tempted According to God's word, you cannot be tempted beyond what you can bear. You kind of start to look more like six foot nine, three hundred and thirty-five pound like face caving, punch throwing monster, right? Right? That you get to enter the fight of temptation knowing that you can win if you have faith. Now, if you don't have faith, I would argue from life experience and from scripture, that you're going to look more like a boxer who's entered the ring and who has never run like even one lap around that ring. You don't have oxygen. You don't have faith. You're not going to make it. Your guard is going to drop. Your feet are going to kind of get glued to the mat. You're going to be really easy to hit and you're going to have your face pounded, right? You're going to lose the fight against temptation and you're going to sin because you don't believe. You don't believe that you will not be tempted beyond what you can bear. I think the second tool that a believer needs to pick up in the fight against temptation, I think the second weapon we should pick up is to resist. Doesn't sound like a weapon, does it? But I think we need to resist temptation and the devil will flee. I think that because James says it, this is the half-brother of Jesus, right? A guy who had to grow up with Jesus and then became his disciple, and he, he decided to share that in James 4, 7, let's read this together, James 4, 7, that if we submit ourselves to God, then we resist the devil. And there's a promise hanging on the end here. So here's our part. Submit to God, resist the devil, and say this with me, Georgetown, and he will flee from you. So just a pop quiz. If you resist the devil... What's going to happen? He will. Okay, so he's going to go away then, right? At least for this time, at least at this moment when you're tempted, if you submit and resist, then what happens? Say it. Flee. He flees. The devil flees. So let's take our example of worry again. Culturally acceptable, still a sin. You're tempted to worry. Christian, I ask you to take up the weapon of faith and the weapon of resistance today. Today. tomorrow's Monday, right? Plenty to worry about. Ask me how I know, okay? I'm a professional, okay? So this isn't about just you being terrible sinners. We all worry. It's culturally acceptable. It's still a sin. Let's try this out. Grab your two weapons, faith and resistance. And then I would ask you to go into that battle of temptation and to simply first resist. That's it. Just resist the temptation to worry. And then see if the devil doesn't flee. See if the temptation doesn't, like, lessen, and I, lessen is absolutely wrong. It goes away entirely. I am telling you this because I have done it. I don't do it all the time, but I am telling you this because I have done it, and it's true, and, it ha- and also, by the way, God's Word that we believe is authoritative and inspired, right? He promises that's what's going to happen, right? All right, there's so many sermons going right now. This, they're later, Okay, we need to talk about the devil having a foothold. We need to talk about the Holy Spirit. We need to talk about the armor of God. All of those things are additional weapons that they come into play with this resistance. But today, Christian, I want to just invite you to enter the ring as one who has weapons who are, which are effective and begin practicing. And the next time we talk about this, you're going to have real life experience that is hopefully not like Molotovs in a real war, right? But is real experience. And then when we come back together and we talk about this again and we get new weapons, we're going to go back into the same battle, a battle for the kingdom of God, a battle for glory to God. Okay, so our second weapon was to resist. And I think a great example of resistance is a, a girl, I told you my heart is kind of close to Ukraine right now, a girl named Katerina. She's an amateur actress. She's an English tutor, and she's an aspiring TikToker. I do not know how that's a job, okay, but my children assure me that's real. Uh, So these are her jobs, and she's living in Kiev, and she's not fleeing, and she's not throwing Molotovs, but she is standing firm. She's resisting. As the battle comes to Kiev, she's resisting, and she's She's just a part of a group of people in her apartment who've decided they're not running, they're not fighting, they're resisting, okay? But they're not going away. So they've discovered, and this is what I want to invite you to do, Christian, they've discovered that for them to resist effectively, they need a bag by the front door, and that bag has to have certain things in it. It has to have medication, shoes and socks, blankets, documents, money, non-perishable food. Because they may not be living in the apartment they're in when the bomb hits. They may be staying in that shelter now. They don't know. So Christian, my question to you then is, you know how Satan works. Like, let's review that again really quickly. There were five that we just examined, right? The lust of the eyes. I see that new car. I really, I think I need that new car. I need that new car in spite of what my family's budget is, or in spite of the fact that I don't give. I need that new car, right? Okay, that's the, I'm just going to say that's the lust of the eyes. The pride of life, still need that new car, but now I need that new car so that everyone can see how very wealthy I am, right? The pride of life. He might also appear, appeal to the lust of the flesh. Like maybe you just want to eat like a brownie, but then another brownie and then a cake and another brownie and another cake. Was I talking about one of your spouses there? Is that what I heard? It wasn't you, of course, no. No. Maybe it's like a, I just want a bush light, or like two, or like five or ten, right? Like the lust of the flesh, or maybe, golly, that person's very attractive. That's not a sin, right? But then if you pursue that in your heart, even if you don't pursue it physically, that's a sin, right? So those are like the ways that Satan's going to begin approaching us, right? But with resistance, what do you need to have in your bag? What do you need to know that to resist Satan, I need, I just need this in my bag. I just need to know that when it's time to resist Satan, that he's going to come at me through, let's say, the pride of life, and I need everybody to see how very rich and powerful I am. And so as a result I'm going to deny that, and I'm going to give God the glory for whatever it is that's successful in my life, right? I'm not going to say, look at me and my 500 employees. I'm going to say, my gosh, would you look at what God has done to bless this company, right? So what do you need in your bag to go out the door when you recognize that temptation coming in from Satan? There's not going to be like a bomb siren going off, right? There won't be these warning sounds, but you are going to know just play with worry. Okay, I'm not saying to play with sin. I'm saying when that temptation for worry comes, replace it with whatever it is for you. Replace it and say, when that temptation comes, what do I need to do to resist? What do I need to do to resist? So Christians, we know that we need to have two tools so far. Our first tool, faith, I contend is foundational to our victory against temptation. And second, the weapon of resistance. All right, third and final for today, a lot more to get to. Third and final for today, we need to look out for a way out. We need to look out for a way out. So this is again 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13, and I'm just going to go through the second part of this verse. And God is faithful he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so you can endure it. He'll provide a way out so you can endure it. So we want to look out for a way out, right? Penny, can we do the NLT real quick? I love the way the NLT puts this. The NLT says that uh, he will show you, isn't that a more active role of God there? And we don't have to talk about Greek. Let's just read English together. Like before, he's going to provide it, but now he will show you a way out so that you can endure it. So, if we have faith that this is true and will happen, then we need to be actively looking, looking for the way out of that temptation. So, uh, scenic hills memory again, real quick. Maybe not so quick, but a great memory at scenic hills was. Uh, I mean, a great thing other counselors told me about. I would definitely never do this. Uh, So there was this cage at the cave entrance. It's like that big right there, right? And the cave entrance was almost up that wall. It was in the side of a hill, and you would take all the kids in. You would have to unlock it, right, because you don't want kids wandering in the cave. So we locked it, right? So you'd take the lock off. You'd bring all the kids in. You'd stand there. You'd shut the gate, and you'd tell the kids it's locked. You would never lock it. You don't want to lock yourself in a cave, right? You'd tell the kids it's locked. You'd go back into the cave, you go over the big rock fall and you climb down it and you go back into the really dark, muddy area. You talk about darkness and light, you know, you would have a devotion. And then, um, at least these other counselors tell me this is what you would do. I would never. Um, then, uh, one of those counselors, it's just terrible, would say, probably someone like Stephen, uh, I'm sure Robin did this too. They would say, Oh no, we lost the key. No, what do you think the kids are doing? They're like losing their mind. We're stuck in a cave and there's no way out, right? So imagine, basically imagine the kids that were at Robin's campfire when she said there's a roaring lion on the loose, right? They're all crying, they're screaming, they want their mommies, it's all over, everybody just go home, right? It's the end of the world. But then you get them all calmed down and you say, it's okay guys, there's another way out, it's just farther. Can you imagine the relief? Can you imagine? Can you feel that relief? You're in this dark cave and you have flashlights but it doesn't matter because you're locked in, right? You're gonna die. But then the, the, the leader says, there's a way out. Oh, the kid's are like, oh, there's a way out, great. Well, let's go find it. They're ready to look out for the way out because they believe in their heart that there is a way out of this. What if we enter a temptation, a battle of temptation? You step into that ring and you do not believe there's a way out. Are you gonna look? Are you gonna look for a way out if you don't believe there's a way out? Brothers and sisters, I want to share a a story to conclude. Uh, This story is of Christina. Christina is a mother of two, a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. And Christina, when the battle starts, thinks, we're going to sit here, we're just going to resist, and we're going to wait it out, right? They eat food out of their pantry. They boil a little teapot, really two pots a day. They share it with their neighbors. But a day becomes a week, And after a week, there's not as much in the pantry. And it's more dangerous to go gather water, so it's really more like one pot of tea a day. But it works because we've lost some of the neighbors now. And so in this battle... Another bomb hits second week later. The apartment right next door. It blows the windows out of their apartment. They now live in the hallway of their apartment building with the neighbors that are surviving, but there's no more tea because it's too dangerous to go get water, and no one's going to go down and light a fire or any because they're afraid of the enemy, right? So they're crouched inside of an apartment. pray. They begin praying, God, please help us come to terms with the end of our life. She says, I saw the light disappear from the eyes of my children. So they're just praying that God would take them at this point. And then she, you know what Christina does? She begins to believe that there's a way out. So Christina finds gasoline. Christina doesn't die finding gasoline. Christina puts the gasoline in the car and she drives her two kids to safety. And Christina finds a whole group of people who welcome them with open arms after 12 hours of driving through a war-torn country. Christina finds hope because Christina had the faith that they could make it. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to ask you to bow your head. And I want you to, with the Lord right now, ask the question, Father, do I have faith that I can fight temptation? Do I have faith that you will not let me be tempted beyond what I can bear? Do I have the faith that when I resist the devil, that he will flee? Father, do I have the faith that you're going to provide, that you're going to show me a way out? Christians, if today you're not a believer, if you have not named Jesus Christ as your Lord, the boss, the commander, the leader of your everyday decisions and your forever life, it's it's the time today to make that decision because although it doesn't look like you're in a battle like the people of Ukraine, you're being pursued by a roaring lion who you cannot just flick up your finger and say, stop. You will be devoured. Friends, I'm, I'm pleading with you to acknowledge that you are in a battle, that you are in a fight against a foe who is a monster, who is a deceiver, who has had thousands of years to practice just how to present to you a temptation that will destroy you, destroy your family, destroy your future, maybe not economically, maybe just relationally, but a temptation that will undo your very life, will separate you from God. Friends, I'm asking you to accept the victory that Jesus offers. Jesus is the man in the video who simply puts up his finger and stops our attacker. He, stop, he defends us, and he offers us his victory. Because of his death, burial, and resurrection, we get to share in his victory. If you haven't shared in that, today is the day for you to make that decision. You will leave the sanctuary, and you will find our decision guides in the lobby on the right. Friends, if you have given up faith You've accepted Christ, but you've given up faith. You've stopped believing. You actually believe Satan's trick sometimes. This temptation is more than you can bear. There's really no way out. You can resist, but I'm going to stay. Those are lies that Satan's told you and you've believed them. Friends, I'm asking you today to repent, to say, God, I've believed lies that are not true. And I want the truth of your word to reside in my heart. Friends, it's another weapon for another day. But today, you have to take that first step by repenting and saying, God, help me have the faith it takes to fight temptation. Friends, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said,